Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Corner Guys Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Thomas Strambox, along with me, as always, Tim Rivera. I'm lying, Tim is not here this week. He got stuck at work. So we have a nice fill in co host in Boxrec Gray. Uh, he also has a podcast, and he is also is an editor of Boxrec, the website. And here he is. Yo, what's going on? Happy to be here as a guest. I've been drinking White Claws all day long. I am fired up. I heard that Dennis Hogan is going to be main eventing a Showtime card at Barclays in December. I'm feeling good, man. This is a good day, and uh, you caught you caught me on a good one. So I'm I'm ready to chat about boxing. <laughs> the only reason I care about that Charlo Hogan is because I'm in that uh that game they keep pushing on Fantasy Kings. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like fourth place overall, so oh, that's uh, the only reason I care about that fight. If it wasn't oh, for that. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's very funny that Dennis Hogan is made of vetting a card in New York. And I feel like Showtime is very much haunted by the college football ghost. And will not they're afraid to put anything good on December. So hence Dennis Hogan, boxing superstar, getting the phone call. Can't wait. <laughs> Barn burner. Well, we do get the... Um... The one card, uh, the, the Crawford card in December, and has the undercard of Kami and Lopez. And that, that's, for December card, that I think is really good. Because like you said, a lot of times December is a really, really, really slow month in the sport. It's going to be, yeah, and I'll, I'll say this. Uh, December 14th is going to be, a, I'm not going to say anything, because uh, I don't know what's confirmed or not. I don't want to piss anybody off, but there's going to be one good weekend in December. I think it's like the 14th where... There could be a lot of good action happening. So right before Christmas, but there is also going to be a lot of stinkers because they know, you know, I, I really do think people are afraid of college football for some reason and don't want to put anything up against it in, in December. So hence you get the Dennis Hogan's of the world uh, made of inning. But there will be one good weekend in December with like three cards on the same day. So just get excited. You don't want to go against the Cheez-It Bowl. I mean, it's hard to top that. Exactly. I mean, the, the Outback Steakhouse Bowl. I mean, God forbid. God forbid you put up anything against, you know, uh, two six and six teams duking it out. God forbid. Oh, boxing. I don't understand you sometimes. But for people that are familiar with you, um, as I said before, you have a podcast and you also are an editor of Boxrec. So if you can kind of go into those a little bit, so let the listeners know more. I figure everyone knows about Boxrec, but Perhaps what goes into the editing as far as a lot of people always see question the rankings, the point system, if you can kind of go yeah. into how that works a little bit. Okay, so first I'm going to show my podcast because it's the top of the episode and I want to make sure everybody knows. It's very important to uh, self-promote. Uh, so I have a podcast every week, Unprofessional Boxing Podcast. Go just Google that in your Google search machine and I believe my podcast uh, website pops up first. Uh, if you like con- you like you like uh, boxing tweets, I'm on Twitter at Boxrec Gray, B-O-X-R-E-C-G-R-E-Y. I'm a volunteer at Boxrec, so a lot of what I tweet, it's my, it's my opinion, so don't yell at the owners of Boxrec. They're very kind and nice people, uh, but I just do my own thing. I help them out. I am not 
paid uh, at all. I do this out of when I have free time for my my job that does pay me. So, uh, but I've been doing it a really long time. I I love box rec. Uh, it's it, it's the source of truth, I guess you could say. Uh, and you know, I work to make sure that. Uh, all the records, in, in at least in like America, USA, Puerto Rico, uh, are accurate. So I usually every week we get reports from the commissions around the United States and, and like I said, the territories. And it's my job to just review them, essentially, make sure all the data is accurate. Uh, a lot of times I'll catch errors that I know about because I watch a lot of boxing on TV. I read the newspapers. I like to get multiple sources because... Hey, sometimes these government-appointed officials, they might make a mistake or two. So I go back to them and I go, hey, there's something in your report that might be a little bit off. Wrong guy won or this person didn't win by a knockout. Uh, and, and we get that ironed out. So uh, I always try to make sure data always accurate, at least in uh, in USA and Puerto Rico on our website. Uh, so there's no questions asked. And the fact of the matter is, if you follow me on Twitter, there aren't exactly people hitting me up questioning results that happen in America. Uh, and I'm proud of that because uh, I, I try and do I try and do my job as a volunteer and just make sure that data is correct and people aren't you know the, the wrong thing. I don't want the wrong winners up there. That's like my worst nightmare because you know people they, they make their living off this shit. Uh, and uh, I don't I don't want I don't want somebody to not get a fight or an opportunity because. Uh, a fight's missing or they're, you know, it's up the wrong data's up there. That's, that's not good. I, I want to make sure that everything is truthful and accurate, uh, no matter how bad the fights are. I mean, you see a lot of terrible fights in Tijuana. Uh, and the, the reality is, it's like, I'm not a big fan of mismatches, but if they do happen and they happen in front of a crowd and they are legitimate, um, put it up there. That the one and no guy beat the three and 40 guy. Just put it up there. It, it did happen. It was an official fight. So I, I yeah, I'm all about that. Uh, and, and to answer your question about the rating system, I, I think people need to keep in mind that this is it's based on a, like a basically an algorithm, a math equation, uh, and that's constantly being tweaked. Uh, it, basically, it's a, we have a system that could predict that it's like a predictive model, basically, and who's ranked above who is based on what the machine and the equation thinks the fighter above could beat all the fighters below based on all the data that's in there. And that's mil literally millions of fights worth of data. Um, so again, that's a machine pumping out what it thinks is correct. And, uh, there's a lot of lost nuances there when you leave it up to a, a math equation to pump out boxing ratings, it's not going to be perfect. So I wouldn't ever use the ratings as a Bible. I think they're more of a guideline and they give you an idea of who it is you know who's number one and who's number two can sometimes they, we, we assign points and there's like a point system and go to the box track message board if you really want to dive into the minutiae i'm not going to do it here because i didn't create the rating system and i'm not the guy in germany that like tweaks it all the time i'm not the mathematician but there's a lot of a lot of it is his choices and his reasoning behind why a certain fighter gets more points for a split decision over a majority decision or a knockout means this much and it's you know, he and, and a lot of it is, is some of that's up to debate i don't always agree with his equation but i think for the most part it's a good it's a good measuring stick to see where uh, a fighter if they're ranked in the top 10 the top 25 the top 100 it's at least a good measuring stick i don't like hearing that uh, fighters get bonuses in their contracts based on their box rec rating that's bad and if you're a boxer listening to this please don't agree to that that's a terrible idea um i don't i don't like i don't like hearing that at all um i again i just feel like the system is just there to at least give you an idea where a fighter is rated but uh, it just don't 
please, people, just use your own opinions and and don't 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 listen to the sanctioning bodies and don't you know use R ratings as a bible either. Make your own choices. Be smart. Yeah, I mean, I think overall the ratings, like you said, I think they're really good guideline. I wouldn't say, you know, for example, um, I don't think Ruiz is the number one heavyweight. Uh, I believe Munguia is the number one at 154. That's, yeah, yeah. You know, but also those interpretation, like maybe somebody could think Ruiz just because he beat Joshua, who most people had number one. Uh, the Munguia, I, I really can't, you know. I'll say why that is, if that's okay. I don't mean to butt in, but um, I think the system definitely rewards activity, and they'll get. It's basically like like a piranha fish taking small bites, and that's like if you look at Munguia's run from eight, uh, 2018 to 2019, he's fought more than probably any other title holder, and he's beaten enough mid-level guys and he gets point he gets a little bit of points every single time and that he's able to just like i said he takes those small bites and it adds up to his overall point total and that's able to boost him over a slightly less active uh lara and julian williams i mean is that right i don't think so i think the best fighter at 154 is julian williams in my opinion and he's rated number three so but again that's just what happens is if you fight more and more and you beat guys at a, at a certain level, you get points, you'll get rewarded. So it's not a perfect system, but I just want to explain. That's kind of why uh, Jamie Mongoya, I call him that because that's what the Australian media refer to him as. Uh, that's why he's uh, ranked number one. All right. Makes, it makes sense. Like you said, I guess with Mungia, they're given credit for four wins over average mm-hmm. guys compared to like one major win. Of Williams or his herd. So I, I I kind of really understand the way you broke it down a little bit more, whereas, you know, activity is unfortunately rewarded more than yep. one or two major fights. So it makes sense in that that idea. So yeah. at least people know. What people also should know is this past weekend, Peter Quillen and Alfredo <laughs> Ngulo had a fight underwater <laughs> that went 10 rounds with Ngulo winning a split decision. I was surprised that Kid Chocolate was more shot than Angulo. It, it seemed after the first three rounds, I think the first time he really got hit, which was hard because Angulo, again, looked like he was fighting 20 underwater. underwater. <laughs> yeah, 20 <laughs> leagues underneath the sea. Yeah. And the first time he got hit, Quillen had the crackhead eyes after the first hit where his eyes opened up wide. Yep. And it just seemed after that he had nothing really left to offer. He looked totally screwed and when when Angulo hit him with that huge shot in round four. That if Angulo had maybe another minute, that could have been over right there. I mean, Quillen just got stiff in the corner and just let, let this man who, in the first two rounds, looked genuinely terrifying in the ring. Like, terrifying as shouldn't have been in there. His, his, Angulo, I don't know what happened if Abel Sanchez whispered a magical spell into his ear, but he went from a guy that could barely get his punches off and really it looked rotten. Like, his timing looked bad. He was slow. Um, everything that looks like a shot fighter. And all of a sudden, Angulo, it was like new life was, was breathed into this human being. And all of a sudden, he was able to, with limited his limited abilities, just uh, hurt Quillen when it really mattered. I think Peter Quillen's overall output, I mean, Angulo, I don't know if Angulo landed a single jab. And I'm not saying that as like hyper- hyperbole. Like, I think statistically, he did not land a jab in the fight. 
and and Quillen was hitting him with jabs constantly through the 10 rounds but it was really the eye-catching punches the punches that told the story it was somehow Angulo was able to catch up with him like it, it just says a lot about Quillen that he wasn't able to use his legs well enough to beat this man who is extremely slow, fights one style, and has zero plan B. I mean, if Ngulo cannot hit you with power punches, he's going to get picked apart for 10 rounds. I've seen much worse fighters than Quillen pick Ngulo apart. So, yeah, shocking and a little bit scary that Ngulo is in the ranks. You know, Boxrec has him in the top 25 now at super middleweight. Uh, he's going to get fed. He's going to get fed for sure. Uh, there's there's plenty of fighters that uh, Uncle Al can uh, feed him to. And I'll say this about Al Heyman, too. Uh, he had a lot of reasons he could have cut Angulo and, and released him. Uh, but he hung he, he gave him a, he's given him a lot of opportunities and a lot of chances. And Angulo, he, I thought he did deserve to win the fight, 96-94. So credit to Heyman, I guess, for g- giving this guy a chance to support his family. Uh, but I am scared to see him fight somebody with uh, real talent. Yeah, I, I think he yeah, there's a good chance he gets fit to Plant, which mm-hmm. isn't the worst outcome, but Plant, you know, isn't a power puncher, where if he got fit to, like, Benavides, then it's like... But I, I think he'll get fit to Plant or yeah. Travis Jr. Yeah, yep. I th- he's a mandatory... He's or Sorry, he's like a voluntary title defense written all over him. Because he's going to get raided by some of these organizations in their top 15 and now because he beat Quillen. So if anybody's looking for a voluntary, PBC is going to be like, absolutely, because they're gonna, it's going to be in-house. It's going to be easy to make. So you're right. I think Angulo is going to get himself a little title shot in 2020. How scary is that? Yeah. it's. I mean, realistically, both should retire. Angulo at least once. I can see him working it for another payday, but... I mean, I don't know where Kid Chocolate goes from here. I mean, no. he was a sizable favorite. I think he was around negative, uh, I want to say, 800 to 1,000 range. And to oh. lose Dan Wow, that's so wide. <laughs> Jeez. But, yeah, no, I was on board with that, too. I, I didn't think Angulo had any opportunity to win this fight. I thought he was going to get stopped, in fact, in the late rounds. Uh, and, like I said, I just I can't really make sense of this fight still. I struggle to. It was definitely – it was an odd card because that was odd. And another odd thing was on your last show, for anyone that wants to listen to it, you know, we go through nostalgia, history lane, and also talk about this fight card pre-fight. I told people to look out for Chris Colbert. I said one of the issues he had mm-hmm. was that some people may not think he's an exciting fighter because he's not a power puncher. He'll systematically break you down. And maybe Colbert was listening and said, fuck this guy because – he went in there and stopped Beltran viciously in the first round. Yeah, that was uh, very unexpected. I was prepared to set my brain into autopilot and watch him pick uh, the much slower opponent uh, apart for 10 rounds. Like You could tell right away Colbert was had more skills and just younger, fresher, faster. And then, man, he, he landed the one-hitter quitter uh, right near the end of the round. Really impressive. And, I mean, that is what he needed. Uh, this will get him back on TV, I think, fairly quickly. Maybe he, you know, maybe he's on an, an actual Fox undercard next time around, not an FS1 card. Who knows? But that's exactly what Chris Colbert needed to get people talking about him because I think he, I think he's really good, and I don't know, just not enough people were talking about him. So hopefully, this gets people to remember who he is and back on the radar. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, uh, right after I put on Twitter that you know this is, was exactly what he needed: national TV knockout where. It looks a little deceiving because he's not that much of a power puncher that was shown Saturday, but fans are going to tune in because they're going to see the primetime entrance was flashy and then that destructive knockout. 
mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to tune into the next fight. And I mean, he may lose a few views if he goes back to, you know, the systematic breakdown because people want knockouts. But it'll definitely, like you said, it'll get him on a card relatively soon where he's going to be higher up on the card level listing instead of being the opening fight. Maybe he can co-main on a smaller card or be an undercard of a, a larger card of maybe like, let's take, uh, I don't know, Wilder and Ortiz, for example, in November. Maybe he gets tossed on that. So it'd be interesting to see where he goes next. Also in the undercard, you had two other prospects with some pretty big knockouts. Ramos had the knockout over Edwards. I think it was the third round. And mm-hmm. uh, the Spanish kid, Esquivel, I can't say his last name. He got a, I think it was a second round knockout. So there's, and uh, Russell's brother, Gary Russell, was on there. I think he had a first round knockout. So a lot of talented mm-hmm. young and up and coming fighters had made quick work. Yeah, uh, they're, like I said, like the, like I said on my show, like PBC, they always have these 15 fight cards and there's a lot of prospects that people don't even really know about or talk about because they haven't been on TV yet. Like they're Al signs a lot of guys and, and he, he, he's got to weed them out pretty quickly. See who's going to be, you know, he's got to let the cream rise to the, to the, to the top. So, uh, uh yeah i i i mean it's crazy like gary russell uh jr's brother gary antoine was on this card i think he was the first fight on this 15 fight card so i mean that tells you a lot of a lot of prospects a lot of people uh they're just waiting for the they're building up records and waiting for the right time but i mean al what's good is i mean a lot of these guys that al has they're not going to be elite fighters forever and you know their careers will go down whatever but you know you always need to replenish that with big with new names new prospects new fighters to get you excited and instead of al having to really ever go out and sign guys and get desperate like he the 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 field will always be you know uh replanted uh he's got plenty of guys coming through and i'm sure some of those guys you mentioned are going to be getting more opportunities in 2020 yeah, it'd be definitely interesting. Like you said, if you look on BoxRec, you can see how many fighters are actually on this card. Now, I'm unfamiliar with a lot of guys, but you see on the left mm-hmm. side of the screen, which is the favorite side on BoxRec, the A side, you see a lot of undefeated guys. 5-0, Rodriguez, 7-0, Baldieres, uh, 15-0, Ochoa, 3-0, Overseas Foreign. Oh, yeah. You know, so there's one, like, probably in this whole fight card, over 10 guys that were undefeated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, the Al doesn't, and and I like about Al is he get, geographically doesn't he doesn't just target guys, uh, he doesn't just sign guys from the West Coast, he doesn't just sign guys from the East Coast. He's bringing over guys overseas. He's giving anybody like he's giving a lot of people shots. So I I really like that about him. Uh, you just see, I think he just wants to see you know throws paint at the wall and sees what sticks. So credit to him. And and like we'll talk about on this pay per view card this weekend, I believe it's another like 15 fight show uh yep 15 fights and there's plenty of undefeated prospects on that too yeah the undercard of that is joey spencer i'm not overly high on as some other people are but he's i know on that undercard and uh robert guerrero another guy who should really think about calling it quits he's on the undercard and uh, like you said there's another i think last time there was like five or six guys that were undefeated yeah, I'll say this a little, little tidbit about Joey Spencer's opponent. Uh, he's fighting a guy named Tra- Travis uh, Gombardella from uh, Revere, Massachusetts. Not too far from where I live, actually. Uh, he fought uh, last October 
on the walkout bout of one of the first uh, match from USA cards, and he won. And he might give Joey Spencer a bit of a tough bite. I say he's 5-0-2, and this isn't a guy that just trains in Massachusetts. He's done. Uh, he's had uh, some, he's had a fight out in California before. I think he even trains out there half the time. So that guy could uh, could give could give Joey Spencer some problems. Just a little, little tidbit there. All right, yeah, because I thought um, Spencer's last fight against uh, Akeem Black. I didn't think Spencer lost a look to – I thought he won, but I didn't think yeah. he looked in that fight. I thought he lost at least two of the rounds, and maybe if you really want to try to push it, you could have a 3-3 draw. Mm-hmm. But I, I definitely thought he lost two rounds. And this I, guy, I just, Yeah, this guy's better than Akeem Black. So just and, – and I think it's only four rounds. So a lot could go wrong, uh, could go wrong there. So uh, just – I don't know if that's – I think that's going to be on the – the 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 free portion on fox or whatever before the pay-per-view so i'm actually kind of interested in that one i'll be i'll be honest yeah i'll I'll definitely give it a good watch uh i just it just seems spencer's trying to get pushed down our throats and i don't have anything against him i don't think he's terrible i just don't think he's as good as the hype machine behind him is making him out to be yeah, it's it, they they definitely have their favorites uh, at PBC for sure, uh, and I don't really understand why all of Joey Spencer's fights have been on TV where he has other prospects who I think are just as good. So that don't make TV very strange. It is, it is. But going to the main pay per view card, I uh, mean Tim. Last show we had, we had an argument of the card, the pay per view portion. Mm-hmm. I thought, I mean, granted. A lot of people stream, and nothing really should be a pay-per-view these days anymore, except for major, major fights. If you had Pacquiao, Spence, or Spence Crawford, I could see. But I think, as far as pay-per-view goes, I don't think this card's that bad. I think all four no. fights are interesting enough where you could you know, make it a pay-per-view. Yeah, let's walk through it. I mean, I think I agree. I think all four fights actually interest me to some degree. I mean, let's start from the bottom here. We got Josecito Lopez against John Molina Jr. Classic trash fight. These two guys have been hitting the head so much over their careers. They're not. It's, I don't really see much longevity for either guy. But you know what? They always fight their ass off. I mean, Josecito Lopez did look pretty damn good against Keith Thurman in a fight that he was expected to get wiped out in. John Molina Jr., how many times have we seen this guy behind on the cards end up pulling it out somehow? Uh, you know that they're going to beat the shit out of each other for 10 rounds. It's going to be great. I love that as an opener. Fire it up. Then you got Mario Barrios versus Batir Akhmadov. This is one this one fascinates me because I mean, let's who gives a shit about the stupid WBA title associated with it? It doesn't matter. Uh you have a guy who's 24 and 0, Barrios, who's been on these PBC shows since I mean, back when they had PBC on ESPN. He was uh he, he, they were they were they were pushing this guy. And I think his career it's like kind of like peak he has there's been he's kind of flatlined a bit and i it's funny because i remember watching him fight in an ibf eliminator at 130 pounds back in the day and i now he's at 140 so obviously must not have been able to make that weight and he's up against akmanov seven and oh but this guy is a deep amateur boxing career he's uh, he's like he's one of these uzbekistanian guys that just they they come over and they're fighting out of california now they all fight in the same uh you know gym and and they get moved very quickly um i watched akhmadov knock out ismail barroso uh, last year and barroso is no joke and that this was that was uh, akhmadov's fifth pro fight uh he got knocked down but he got off the canvas to knock out barroso uh he looked like a guy that had 20 25 pro fights uh so it's seven and oh this is i mean 
it's very ambitious. Uh, he's uh, Barrios is no joke either, but you know, it's two prospects that want to take a gamble by fighting each other and they'll get a dump WBA trinket at the end of the day. And, but, but it's going to boost the, it's going to boost the winner up big time. And I love seeing these guys from Uzbekistan taking big risks early in their career. And, and I mean, they're all managed by the same guy. Basically there's a lot of risk taking going on, but you know, these guys have 200 amateur fights. I kind of get it, you know, why not go for it? So Two great fights there, and then I'll just talk a little bit about Darrell and Benavides. Uh, I, you know, I don't try and root against fighters very much uh, at all, but I the Darrells do make it very difficult. I, I just uh, they just annoy me, and and I thought that David Benavides got his title stripped from him for the dumbest reasons, like cocaine. Give me a break. I've seen boxers do terrible things outside of the ring, and they're still able to make a living just fine. They still get ranked by the organizations. You're telling me David Benavides is going to get stripped for putting a little China white up his nose in an out of competition drug test? Give me a break. Terrible, stupid, should never have been stripped. Andre Durrell shouldn't be the WBC middleweight title. He's, you know, this guy, two of his last three fights, he's gotten lucky technical uh, decision wins. Uh, Avni Yildirim got screwed, and no way is a guy who's gonna have, who's have, who's had problems with Avni Yildirim and Dennis Mama's boy Duglin is going to be a young, hungry, ready to get his title back, David Benavides. I'm excited to see David Benavides stop this guy. I'm going to say eight rounds. Good undercard. What do you think, man? Well, like you said with the Lopez Molina, I think they may not be the best guys, but just the style of that fight is what average fans, you know, people that are unfamiliar with boxing want to see. Or even most people that like boxing. You just want to see two guys that are rock'em, sock'em robots sitting in the middle of the ring trying to chuck bombs at each other. Hell yeah. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what it's going to be. Lopez right now is about negative 400 favorite. So Molina's about negative 300 to mm. maybe plus, uh, excuse me, plus 300 to plus 320 range, which I think seems about right because I think Lopez has a little more tread on the tires and he's more physically adapt to that weight than Molina. So mm. I think they're right on target as far as the betting line. I think Lopez should win it being fresher. But as you said, we've seen Molina pull a few fights out the fire. So even if he's down in a fight, Things are looking bleak. He's done it before where one punch, obviously, as everyone says in boxing, can change around a whole fight. So I think that's really what makes this fight really, really interesting is Molina, even if you see him down, let's say it's 10-round fight. Let's say he goes down a third and he's down five rounds to one. He's still not out of it because we've seen him hold his power late and take guys out late. And Lopez also, I mean, he's not the strongest of chins. We've seen him bounce back good against um, – Ortiz in that fight, but we've also seen him get stopped by Andre Berto. That's why Berto's career is still continuing because he beat um, he beat Lopez. So it's going to be interesting. I say Lopez. I'm going to say he wins a UD or maybe a late stoppage is what I'm kind of thinking. Yeah, I don't blame you. I think it's kind of hard to pick Molina, especially that this fight is at 147. Uh, Molina is going to be really small for the weight. Yeah, I think going with Lopez here. Uh, I think you're right. I think this is he has a little bit more left. I think he's hungry and he wants to get himself another title shot. Um, and that a win here keeps him active and keeps him in discussion. So yeah, I think I got to go with the Riverside Rocky. Okay, we're in agreement there. Uh, the Barrios uh, Akmadov fight. I'll be honest, I have not yet seen Akmadov, and you're saying what type of podcast is this? But at least I'm honest. 
you know, I've been following him. I know he fought for the, the I think it was he fought for Turkey in the Olympics. He did. Yes, he okay, did. So he, he did fight for Turkey. So I, I vaguely remember him in his Olympic days. And I, the name was familiar once I think he fought the fight uh, that you mentioned that he got knocked down in early in the fight and then he came back and he stopped them, the, the Barrasso mm-hmm. guy. So I haven't really seen much of him. So I'm going to just predict just off what I know of Barrios and him. For them to put him in this fight at his eighth fight, they must really feel that he's ready and he could beat Barrios. Uh, betting yeah. odd-wise also kind of corresponds with this. Barrios was a higher favorite but now he's anywhere between negative 155 and negative 200. So sure. pretty close odds. But I think uh, what's your fight breakdown? Because you being familiar with him would have a better, I guess, understanding of what may happen. Yeah, I mean, Akhmedov is a plus, like, I guess it'd be like, what, 150 or something like that. I think that's good value. I, he's a guy that he's not he's a guy that definitely breaks you down over time. I think he, I believe he knocked Vario out with a body shot. Um, so he's a, yeah, he's definitely like a, a guy that will pressure you and try and break you down as the fight goes on. So don't expect, I'd be really shocked to see either guy get a quick, like, uh, you know, a stoppage in under five rounds or something like that. I think this is going to be uh, a, a bit of a drag out fight, though. I mean, you look at Barrios's record and I think he's knocked out his last like eight or nine opponents. But then you have to look at his look at that list of opponents, and I'm telling you, even if those a lot of those guys have winning records, I still think Akhmadov is a, a higher class than that, even after seven pro fights. So I think Akhmadov, I don't know, I don't think he's gonna stop Barrios, but I do think he's gonna squeak out a 12 round win here. It's gonna be a, a a close battle. I mean, it's gonna be interesting to see Akhmadov going into late rounds. He's been he's been nine rounds or more, two in the seven fights. But again, this is a guy that hasn't touched championship rounds yet. Um, his last two fights, his opponents weren't really the best. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a risk, man. I think Bari, I think Akhmadov's gonna win, but I definitely understand why Barrios is the favorite. I think he is. That's the conservative bet. You go with the guy that has been the 12 rounds. He's coming off of like eight or nine knockout wins in a row. Hard to bet against that. But I just want to see one of these Uzbeks, uh, you know, fulfill their destiny, man. I want to see it. Yeah, because I think, like you mentioned, the last four rounds deep in the fight is going to be interesting. Just because Barrios has been 12 once. But, I mean, that was a fight he coasted. And, you know, he won every round. But aside that, he's only been eight rounds. Mm Mm-hmm. True, true, true. So, uh, yeah, and he's been blowing all these guys out. So, I mean, really, when was the last time he's fought anybody with, with that could give him the resistance? You know, I, I, it's hard to say. Yeah, that, that's what really makes it intriguing is, is going to be that rounds 9 through 12 to see how mm-hmm. both guys react. Because a lot of people will always look at a record and say, oh, well, he's been 12 rounds three times and things like that. But there's a big difference of being 12 rounds and something you won 120, 108 to being 12 rounds of, you know, a grueling fight. Uh, you know, yeah. when, you, when, you, when you don't have incoming coming at you, it's easy to go rounds because you're only a one-way fighter. You're only offense. You don't have anything to worry about. You're not having a lot taken out of you. At least with Akhmadov, <clears throat> the, the Barrasso fight, that seemed to me, just by what I read and looking at the fight, where it was – you know, something where he had a, you know, still pull a fight out. Not that it was, you know, 
even fight or whatever the case is. I'm not even sure what the scorecards were, but it just seemed, you know, it was a fight where it was back and forth, at least until the stoppage in the ninth round. So it showed he can carry his power late in the fight, you know, in a fight that's, you know, somebody's giving him something back. Whereas Barrios, just by what I, the fights I've seen and looking at the records, you know, a lot of these guys, like you stopped Jose Roman in the eighth round, you won every round. You know, how much resistance are some of these guys putting forth? Yeah, no, that's a valid question. I mean, you think about it, like, when was the last time he even lost a round? <laughs> and I, I don't know. I just look at the names on his record, and there's no one there that go, ooh, that's a really good win that gets me um, that gets me fired up. You know, like, uh, I think his last one was over this guy, Juan Jose Velasco, who was coming off of uh, the loss against Progre. So, eh, yeah, he knocked him out in two, so that's good. But, I mean, it wasn't like a fight that – a win that I'm like, ooh, you know, I'm, I think this guy's ready for a world title. So – yeah, this one I think is going to be the most um, competitive of the four fights. That's my prediction. Definitely, definitely. The, the betting odds suggest that as well. And mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be interesting because whoever win, wins the fight is definitely going to be a player at, at the that weight class, of, yep. I believe, 140. So they're definitely going to be, you know, another name in the mix. Even though, I mean, the WBA super world, like, I mean, Progress is the actual champ, if I'm correct, of the WBA in that division. I guess he's super champ or whatever he yeah, is. Yeah, it's dumb. Who cares? But uh, yeah. But what I want to know is what round do you think uh, Benavides is going to stop uh, Anthony Durrell? I think your prediction of eight is going to be pretty close. I don't mind Anthony Durrell as much as his brother. <laughs> I think Anthony Durrell seems uh, to be a good stand-up guy, whereas Andre Durrell, you had the Abraham incident and the Ustaki, uh, how do you pronounce his name? That incident. I was never really a fan of his. But back to Anthony, as you said, he really struggled with uh, Yild- Yild- whatever the hell, the Yildirim, I can't yeah. pronounce his name. But I remember watching that fight, and I thought that he was up uh, Yildirim on the cards, which was like, you know, and as you said, Dennis Douglin, another technical decision. I remember that one, I think I just edged it for Durrell, but it's Dennis Douglin. If you go back a few years, uh, five, six years ago, he had the draw with Bica. Brandy came back and he beat Bica, but it's still, you, you know, you had the draw with Bica. So he th- was impressive in the Truax fight. I remember that he stopped Truax, I think, at one or two, whatever that was. That was impressive, but there hasn't really been, when you look at his whole resume, much else that's really stood out like, you know, that was, you know, Durrell at its finest. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't. There's something about Durrell that impresses me. <laughs> I know this thing being harsh, but like, I just think like the guy is living off of that one round Caleb Truow win from like three years ago. Like, I just don't I just don't see what he what tools this guy has that could possibly stop David Benavides and that pressure that he's going to be feeling all the 12 rounds of that fight. I just don't see, like, what he could possibly do to make David Benavides stop in his tracks for even one second. I mean, when I saw him blow out Gilly on Love back in, back in you know, March, I was so happy because it's like, I want to see him wipe out guys that just don't commit to their offense very much. And I just see from Durrell, he just doesn't, he's not on the, the he's not on the gas all 12 rounds. So, uh, mm-hmm. I, 
I just I just think David Benavides is going to beat him. Just Even if he doesn't stop him, he's going to beat him just on work rate alone. I just don't think Darrell can keep up with him. Yeah, same here. It just seems that Darrell is, I wouldn't say gun shy, but he doesn't let his hands go as much as he should. He loads up sometimes a little bit. Yeah. And if Benavides' chin holds up, which I think Darrell's only chance is, you know, a, a one-punch type knockout, I mean, it's not going to outwork Benavides. So, you know, where's his out as far as what's his plan to win besides, you know, the lucky lotto punch? Yeah, I I don't know, man. I just I, I just see more paths to victory uh, uh, for Benavides. It's as simple as that. What's the um, what's the betting line looking like on that? Out of curiosity. Benavides did open up as a big favorite. He was negative eleven hundred, which shows that people are in agreement with me and you. Now he's about negative nine hundred to negative eight hundred range. So Darrell's about plus seven hundred to plus six hundred in that idea. But it, it still seems kind of wide if you were going to bet, because hmm. I mean, granted, we expect Benavides to win, but who's really going to lay down nine hundred dollars to win a hundred dollars? So. No, <laughs> people are going to have to if you're going to bet, maybe if you thought by knockout, most likely seven to 12 Benavides, because I think Darrell will at least hang around, you know, at least half the fight. Anything less than that would be impressive. Benavides blew him out a couple of rounds. I'd be shocked at that. But I, I would say maybe a seven to 12 Benavides stoppage or if you think Benavides can just go the distance or Darrell can go the distance, then that would be the two betting options because you know you can't really lay down almost a grand to win a hundred dollars yeah i uh, i don't know i just i guess in that case i just stay away from the betting line on this one there's better fights with more value out there but yeah man then you got the main event i mean i uh i mean look, I, I i think everybody's talking about this fight so we could you know we don't have to i don't want to get too deep into it but i mean like i don't know errol spence and uh and porter i I don't know how you feel about it, but it's it's kind of interesting to see a lot of people, I think, are getting themselves talked into Porter winning this fight. And I just can't really see it. Like, I think the more I think about it, I'm like, man, Spence is 29 and probably is it maybe the peak of his career right now. Like, this could be the best Errol Spence out that we can ever see, you know, maybe his maybe next year, too. But like he's he's really probably at his athletic best. And Porter is. I just feel like a little bit on the downslide, and it's hard for me to get excited about a guy that really I don't think beat uh, Jordanus Ugas, and I, I just don't see how he can beat Spence. I don't know. How do you, how do you feel about it? I mean, looking back at Porter's fights, the Thurman fight, I thought Thurman won 115-113. Maybe if you want to have a draw, I could kind of go with that too, but mm-hmm. that was, what, three years ago. Since yeah. then, he looked bad in the Berto fight. That was just like a mauling of a fight. Mm-hmm. He looked bad in the Granados fight, I thought. The Garcia fight, once he fought his fight, where, you know, for some reason, the last two fights Porter thought he was Pernell Whitaker and was a boxer. You're not. You're just to get inside <laughs> and mug people and brawl. Once he did that, I thought he edged Garcia. And the Yugas fight, I thought he draw, could have went Porter by like 115-113, could have went Yugas by 115-113, but still, you can make a case for Yugas winning, you can make a case for Garcia winning, Thurman I thought won, and the Granados-Umberto fights, he didn't look too good, so when's the last time that Porter looked good and that he won? I mean, I guess the Broner fight besides the 12th round, but 
you know, uh, Malgiani, which was six, five, six years ago, but he was bigger and could, you know, steamroll him. Uh, you know, so it's really just, like you said, I think Porter's more on the downslope. Plus, I think f- physically Spence is bigger. I believe he's a couple inches taller and probably about three, four inches in reach or so. Plus, he's a southpaw. I, I just don't see the avenue that, you know, Porter takes to get this win. Yeah, I... I mean, really, the only way I could see Porter winning this fight is if this fight is kind of dreadful. I mean, he he would have to really figure out how to cut Spence's uh, offense down, maybe a lot of clutching, a lot of holding, um, you know, just to, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it would have to be, I, for me, like, the more of an action fight this is, the worse it's going to be for Porter. It has to be a fight where Porter is, you know, landing... 12 punches around and he's able to hold Spence to under 10 punches around. And I, I just don't really see that happening. And yeah, like, I just feel like, I feel like, I feel like Spence is not going to have to worry too much about his defense. He'll let the offense be his defense, like against Mikey. Uh, I, I just don't really think Porter has the tools to, uh, to slow him down. I just don't. I'm sorry if you're out there and you like Porter. I, I he seems like a nice guy, but I, I just don't, I don't see Spence having any issues here. I, I I don't think he loses a round. I don't. I really don't. I'll, I'll give Porter a few rounds. I'm thinking it goes to like a 118, 110 Spence, maybe 117, 111. I, I think Porter can take a few if Spence takes a round off. Or I think some rounds, like you stated, Porter can make it ugly where it's going to be a, a mauling round where, you know, it's tough to see. Who takes it because it's a lot of holding, a lot of grabbing. It almost looks like John Ruiz against Henry Rockawande if they ever fought. You know, <laughs> something like that where it's more of a, a, a wrestling match. But Man. the only way I can really honestly see Porter winning is, well, two ways. A, Spence was nothing but hype, which I don't really see because if you look at it, I thought Garcia, he showed that he could box. Uh, though Campo was, I mean, it's Ocampo and Peterson's Peterson. But I thought Spence showed a lot in the Brook fight where he was able to fa- and mind you, Brook beat Porter. He was able to stand up to Brook. I know people say about the eye and you know things like that. And, but still, I, I thought that was still a good version of Brook, even though obviously at the end of the fight, the eye is what ended it, but it's not like his eye just fell out in between rounds. I mean, Spence was continuously hitting and pressuring Brook and that's what essentially broke him down. So I, I just don't see, you know what Porter does unless Spence's hype, which I don't think, looking at the Brook fight, and also I thought Van Heerden was a good win. Yeah. And many people unfamiliar with Van Heerden, but I, I don't think he's really too bad. I thought that was a good win. You, you throw those two in, I, I just don't see it for Porter. Unless somehow it ends in the fifth round on an accidental headbutt, and he just so happened to like win three rounds because Spence started slow, something like that, like a really mysterious... Spence injury, he breaks his wrist on the punch, you know, something abnormal. But I just can't see Porter winning the fight legit straight out. No, I can't either, man. I think, you know, I, I'm happy to see Spence get a chance to unify the titles, but I, I think this could really be like, I think this could really be like a breakout performance for him. Like, he could stop, if he could stop Porter here, like, in, in, the, in mid-rounds and just, it could really be that fight that uh, puts him maybe hopefully could put him into the mainstream a little bit more. Like I really think the guy has the talent level to be the face of PBC. 
and in 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 a division that historically, I mean, how many welterweights have been the the top guys in boxing? I mean, think about it. It's a it seems natural. So uh, I think this is the start of something really, really big uh, for Errol Spence. I mean, you look at that PBC really runs welterweight. I mean, there's so many names out there that they could feed to him after this fight. I mean, I guess I'm looking ahead a little bit, but I think like, you know, Manny's ripe for the picking at some point. Uh, Danny Garcia is going to be ripe for the picking. Uh, there's And there's lots of names coming up too. So I think you can keep Spence uh, this is really could be the start of something pretty big here where you could see him. Yeah, I, I don't think he'll ever fight Bud, but I think, um, you, you know, there's some big names for him to fight and uh, he could definitely be the guy that uh, that becomes the, the big name that Fox is going to want to pay a lot of money to put on TV. Yeah, definitely. I definitely see that happening. I don't see him losing. And if he can get that stoppage, which I think has a shot, I would say eight. Eight on, whereas if he's continually breaking Porter down, Porter has to get in close, has to make it a, a, a mugging. If he can just keep catching Porter coming in and hitting him to the body, Spence is a great body puncher. You know, you could definitely maybe see a stoppage betting wise. You're looking at Spence by decision is negative 155, and Spence by stoppage at any point is plus 255. So, the betting eyes are thinking this is going to be a Spence decision, but even their odds on the decision to knockout are, are pretty close. Yeah, uh, I, I think I think the value, I think a Spence going for the Spence knockout, trying to get a little bit of money there, uh, not a bad bet. Uh, I just don't, you know, over under, oof, uh, that's always scary. So uh, I'm just saying, just take the straight Spence KO. <laughs> that would be my that would be my uh, uh, my prediction. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't think, especially if you, you know, if you got seven to twelve, and got like a, a lump round like that, because I, I think anything yeah. less than that would be just amazing. If Spence just blew the doors off four and three rounds, my jaw would drop. But you know, that's seven to twelve to even up those numbers. Uh, I don't know what they are they'll have in front of me, but if it's plus two fifty five by knock at any point, you got to figure seven to twelve is obviously going to be a little bit big, bigger than that. And if you feel like Spence towards the end of the fight. You could look at that 10 through 12 for Spence, and that has a really nice return to it. If you think Porter can just make it a certain amount of rounds, fades late, and Spence gets him out of there, that could be an interesting prop bet to take. Uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, I don't know, man. I think this is just like a fight where, uh, yeah, you can you can definitely make a little bit of money on this fight. You got to be a little bit brave, but uh, you know, Spence late round by stoppage. I I don't think that's a terrible bet at all. I would say go for that. <laughs> That's yeah. that's my feeling on it. Yeah, I mean, if you want to, you know, enhance the fighting experience, if you're buying the pay-per-view, maybe want to make something out of it, mm-hmm. it's really not a bad bet because I think Spence kind of knows after the Garcia flack he took about not stopping the guy from 135, who really is 140 because he had a belt at 140, but not stopping the smaller Garcia. This seems like a fight where, you know, this is a statement to make. And Porter has been hurt before, but... Kell Brook hurt him with a couple of shots in that fight, I remember. Broner dropped him in the 12th round, had him hurt. So it's, Porter has a really good chin, but it's not that, you know, invincible. He has been hurt before he has been dropped. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, I mean, I don't see why Errol Spence can't get to him. I really can't. I I, I think it's, uh, 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 you know, like I said, I think this is the fight for him to uh to break out to become the big name it's time for him to do that it's time for him to fulfill the destiny 
Yeah, definitely. I don't think it's a bad card, like we said in the beginning. Uh, no. Seventy-five dollars for the pay-per-views, a little bit maybe steep for some people, but yeah. I, you know, Dave and Buster's Twin Peaks—they're both showing it. Uh, some movie theaters are showing it, and then you uh, have, go to go to your most depressing Hooters in your town. I mean, they're going to be showing it. Uh, I I say don't you know free get, go go get the wings and sit at the end of the bar. You'll get incredible value at your Hooters. There you go. You went all night right there with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Shout out to the Hooters uh, Route 1 in Saugus, Massachusetts. There you go. A little Hooters shout out. Never heard anybody. But we'll be back um, next week. We're going to cover probably, I guess, the after effects of this fight card. We're going to go into the G3 Derachenko fight a little bit. And we should have another guest co-host on. And Tim will probably make his return as well. But again, you can go plug. Well, you don't really have to plug box wreck. Everyone knows what box is. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, I would hope so. Jeez, Luis. You'd figure, you know, back in 2003 when I first found it, you know, then it was like, oh, my God, when I showed people. But now it's like I don't think I've met anyone that remotely semi-follows boxing and they don't know what box record is. But nonetheless, box rec, great site, records, everything else. And, uh, you know, just give a quick plug to your show and anything yeah. else you may have going on in your life. Uh, yeah, on Professional Boxing Podcast, go check that out. Just Google it. You'll find it. Uh, you, you can find, you can also search for it on, like, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever they have podcasts, on Professional Boxing Podcast, every single week from my one-bedroom apartment with my, my cat co-host. We got, we, you know, we try to bring in guests every single week, uh, do a little bit of a different show uh, than uh, other people. I like to talk to people in the boxing industry uh and, and writers and fans and get their perspectives so try and be a little bit different uh follow me on twitter at boxrec gray b-o-x-r-e-c-g-r-e-y uh try and you know keep the keep the tweets funny do that every single uh saturday night follow along with the uh fights yeah man that's uh those are the two big things i got going on right now just uh keeping the podcast consistent and uh doing the twitter account so thank you for uh having me on your show i appreciate it love the chance to talk yeah, and Phil, thanks for being the guest, especially with Tim not being here. It would have seemed odd for me talking by myself. So, <laughs> Well, you know, I'm glad that I could. I, as somebody who's done a lot of solo shows, it does not hurt to have the guest. Glad I could uh, you know, carry the slack a little bit this week. Hopefully uh, Tim will be uh, out of work and you can, guys can do the show as normal. <laughs> yeah, so we're on a different schedule for the people that normally listen. We should have the Derachenko G3, and then after that point, we're going to do it every other week where we're going to kind of – Bulk topics, for example, after that would be the 16th, where we're kind of going to the, the Better Beave Nail fight and the Progress Taylor fight the week after. So we're just trying to kind of cram more into one show so we kind of keep it fresh and lively. So Hell yeah. yeah. And October is going to be a really good month of boxing. So we're gonna, you guys are going to have plenty to talk about. Yeah, because August was such a dead month. Uh, I mean, you had the Kovalev and you had um, the Lomachenko fight cards, but... Looking back at it, which was only not even a month a month ago, what else do you remember from August? Uh, I remember a lot of drinking. Uh, I don't <laughs> remember a whole lot of boxing, my man. It was a long month. I mean, just I like when you work in business, everybody in Europe goes on vacation, so it's just like uh, there's nothing. It just feels like a dead dead month in general. It's not just boxing, man. It just it just feels like the world just takes a vacation. So. Uh, yeah, I remember I remember drinking a lot of White Claws uh, with my buds, but not a whole lot of good boxing. So glad you picked that back up in the fall. <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time, take care. See you soon. Take care. <laughs>